Welcome to episode two of the We're Launching a New Business mini-season. This is the Making It in Asheville podcast, and I am your host, Tony Ubertaccio. And in case you missed the last two weeks, we are launching a new business in town called South Slope Pilates and All Things Wellness. And Making It in Asheville, or the business behind it, Making It Creative, has been charged with helping uh, these owners, these new-to-town owners, Andy and Sydney, who you get to meet last week in our episode, with building, you know, developing this brand and building a launch strategy and marketing plan. And the cool part is that we are bringing you along for the ride. So the stated goal for making it in Nashville has long been, you might have heard it in years past in the in the intros of episodes, is that we are here to share the many ways of making it in Nashville by sitting down with Asheville entrepreneurs and small business owners, community leaders, and asking them what they are making and how they are making it in Asheville. And this mini season is a slight deviation. Um, we've had over the years lots of inquiries about um, what we might do, how we did, and what, you know, would you advise if someone were to try and start a business in Asheville? And so the goal here is to share that experience, is share a day one style view behind the curtains, so to speak, of a new business launching in Asheville. And the goal that we're setting out for here is to inspire aspiring entrepreneurs to either take the leap with, uh, I say, a greater sense of clarity on how that leap could and should happen, and then um, also be some form or another of a value add for local businesses um, and giving them something else to perhaps consider when doing something like an annual review, uh, quarterly offsite. Uh, These are I want to say philosophies, frameworks, um, strategies that are universal, right? So we're launching a Pilates studio, but this is not just Pilates launch strategy. This is going to be valuable really for everyone. And so uh, last week we laid out the framework that we're going to use for this season. Uh, These episodes follow a why, how, what progression, and that's based off a book by Simon Sinek. And so Simon Sinek wrote Start With Why, and in that book, we get into it in some detail in the last episode, he argues that in communicating the ideals of a business, uh, it is best to start with why, communicate your vision, communicate your reason for being, move out from there in concentric circles, about how you do what you do and what it is in in the end that you ultimately do and how that is different than how, let's say, the average bear might explain what they do. They'll say, uh, yeah, I fix uh, sinks. I'm a plumber. How do I fix them? Uh, With plumbing tools. Why? Because, you know, my dad was a plumber. That's not a great or compelling narrative. And so when thinking about building a business or launching a new project, it really, really helps if you can clearly communicate a why, a how, and a what that differentiate you from the rest of the crowd. And so uh, why is, what is your reason for existing? 
how, how do you operate? What sets you apart? What, what it is, what is it that you ultimately create, deliver, um, provide? And so why is the vision or the belief? How is the mission, right? The way you do what you do. And so why's are often intangible to, to build an example here, right? Let's look at restaurants, right? A, why statement for a restaurant might be something like, you know, we believe that dining should be enjoyable and a tasty experience for one and for all. A vision statement might be, you know, in, in order to support that why, a vision statement might be, you know, one million families and parties laughing and having fun while dining with us. Those, I would say those statements are okay. They're not perhaps the greatest, but they are a why statement and they are a vision statement. And they help to illustrate how hows can make whys more clear. So let's look at two restaurants here, right? And this is how a fan of these restaurants might talk about them. I love that place. It serves, you know, diner food, but they do it like, you know, you're in the fifties and with jukeboxes and milkshakes and their staff sings. It's so much fun. Uh, the other example, I love that place. It serves sort of like uh, American food, but their waiters, they, they belittle you the whole time. They yell at you and they are so funny. It's a hoot. It, it's my favorite place to take friends, take family, whatever. So you have these two examples of how fans might talk about a business. And I think when you look at it through that frame, how might people share your story? To me, that's typically going to start to tell the story of how, right? The what in these two examples of the fans talking about the business, uh, the what are, are quickly you know, run past. So it serves diner food. But not just diner food, but wait, there's more, right? The more is this how. How do they serve diner food? How does it leave you feeling? How does it make an impact or a mark in your mind? Uh, and it is my belief that a why can get people perhaps in the door, either as you know, early customers um, or early employees even, but it's the, it's the how that ends up being the thing that um, really provides for growth, for consistency, and for long-term success. And, and there's a thought that's coming to mind as I say that, uh, and it has something, it, the quote is something like, uh, people forget what you said, but how you made them feel. And I think that that's similar in this uh, restaurant example. How do you make people feel, right? So that's the importance of how. And like last episode, I had a little caveat. This episode, I have a little caveat as well. Um, and it, it's, a, it's from a different book. So this book is called Zero to One by Peter Thiel. And in one of, well, there's a concept that might be a chapter, might be several chapters, but the concept has to do with the difference between competition and monopolies and how he'll argue that you want to be in a business that has a proper monopoly on a space and everything else. 
um, is experiencing, you know, some form or another perfect competition. And so Thiel argues that all true monopolies will tell you that they're experiencing competition everywhere. And all businesses experiencing true competition will claim that they have a monopoly. And so an example will be like Google says that it has competition in mobile phones and web browsers and email solutions and more, right? They say that they're experiencing competition everywhere, but they'll never really admit that they're the number one and number two search engine on the internet. And therefore, you know, the only true advertising platform in the world. And while that is an extreme statement, there are other places to advertise. They have a monopoly on like search based, primarily search based advertising. And so they'll never say that. Uh, but if you wanted to choose a business to be in, you know, you'd, you'd ideally want to be building uh, Google, right? For advertising. And so uh, to go back to restaurants, right? A restaurant might say, you know, we're the only authentic Greek food on this side of Beverly Hills. But they'd never admit that every other restaurant, forget about just Greek restaurants, every other restaurant, every supermarket, every convenience store is competition because all of them provide other forms of calories that you might choose to eat rather than this particular Greek restaurant. And so I think about building out a strong, differentiated how and I'm aware that, you know, there's a level of we're this monopoly in a really a truly competitive space. And so when thinking in, you know, terms of South Slope Pilates, our how might, when it's said and done, might try and create some form or another of monopoly-like um, positioning. But the reality is that there's a million things. You could take a walk instead of going to a Pilates class. You could take a hike, or you can go to any one of these other fitness um, and wellness studios. And so when thinking about hows, I think that is important really to understand competition, and it's, under, it's important to have a clear sense of why you're doing what you're doing uh, so that when you do attempt to build out a differentiated how, you can do it in such a way that there is enough space there to create a thriving both community and business. And so um, monopolies and competition are kind of opposite ends of the spectrum. We're rarely going to be building uh, businesses that are true monopolies, and I think that's absolutely okay. Plenty of space to build a, a thriving community and business in a competitive landscape. So to go back now to Simon Sinek and his concepts and start with why, um, when diving into this how section in his book, one of the things that stands out is he, he makes it clear that there seems to be uh, why people and how people. Steve Jobs is you know this iconic why persona. His business partner early days, Steve Wozniak, was the how guy. He was the, you know, engineer, technician. He made these dreams reality. He built the plans. Walt Disney is another iconic why, vision-driven leader that could get people deeply inspired and excited. 
Roy Disney, his brother, was the one who kept them from going bankrupt a million times. He was the one who built out production companies that helped uh, create distribution channels that allowed these Disney visions to become realities. Uh, And so it is rare to be both a why type and a how type. Um, And I think that's important to know. A good why can really rally troops, but a how keeps the troops engaged and headed in a shared direction. In a business context, that might be a why can get employees and customers on board, but a strong how keeps clients happy, keeps payroll running, credit cards from melting, checks from bouncing, and bank accounts in the green. And so it's, again, not necessarily common that um, if you're listening to this and you feel like a visionary, it's it's not common that you would also be a very practical uh, boots on the ground. Let's set the course. Let's build the plan. Let's make sure we stay on plan. Uh, those are rarely the same person. Um, Senek argues that most business owners are, in fact, how people. And so um, how people, while they might have a great plan, miss the very crucial, critical uh, step of, of building a compelling why that gets people excited to join and to participate. And so it's the balance of these two types of personas that is you know, really the goal when launching a business or starting a project in general. And so uh, in, you know, in the tech world, you'll see a lot of businesses that have co-founders where one is highly technical, the other one is highly brand and story and uh, communications focused. Um, in a lot of ways, the role we're playing with South Slope Pilates is uh, taking a very visionary understanding of the of the end state and helping build out a process, a plan such that it becomes real, right? We're, we're helping in not just finding the words for the why, but also finding the path for the how. So when, when we set out, you know, to, to start with South Slope Pilates, when we had these first com- conversations with Andy and Sydney, um, the sisters that own South Slope Pilates, um, when we had these very first conversations, the, the vision or the priority for me was to attempt to unpack their why in hopes of excavating the eventual why that we'll use with South Slope Pilates and all things wellness in their in the business's communication. So if you haven't checked out last week's episode, uh, you might find it interesting to see some of those early conversations or hear that early com- earliest conversation um, and see how that kind of progresses over time. But in this week, um, we're going to take that next step and look at the way that over the last, uh, it's almost been a, a month now, over the last month, we've attempted to build out and break out the plan for how this business will be differentiated. And um, the way that we're kind of keeping it top of mind and uh, keeping focus here is that the way that we think about how is that how is going to be one part business plan 
how is one part mission statement? And then how is also one part how our customers and our clients and even our staff or employees will describe us to their friends? So we've broken the pillars of this how into customer experience, space, how the, the physical location that is South Slope Pilates, the training protocols that we're going to use at South Slope Pilates, the pricing, right? The economic engine that is South Slope Pilates. And then finally, um, staff and team and building out this uh, wellness collective vision. Okay. So the South Slope Pilates and all things wellness house so far mid-January 2023, right? We're going to think about how as it informs the customer experience that we're aiming to deliver, right? And so some of the things that we're thinking about is all of the links from the internet that someone might find, whether they're on an iPhone, an Android, a computer, um, asking Alexa, right? Those links need to work. Prioritizing, you know, the Google listing for Google Maps, the calendar, um, the, the schedule, on Google Maps and the website, everything about inbound uh, links needs to work because that's one of the first experiences most folks will have with us once they hear about it. Um, it's going to be a search, click, and that experience, as best we can control it, needs to work, needs to be accurate. From there, booking, signing up for a free class or um, a drop-in has to be as easy as possible. Contacting the team, having a number to call, an email to reach, um, needs to be visible all the time and intuitive. Uh, so too should pricing and membership. So um, it is common to see as businesses attempt to, I'd say, be sophisticated or think about and have high effort in uh, creating a custom, a unique, a very personal experience, uh, it is common to see pricing get crazy. And crazy pricing, while the intention might be, I want to build a scenario where every single possible you know consideration is taken, uh, often it just creates a confusing customer experience. And so uh, I have in our notes, you know, asterisk, not a cheesecake factory menu, right? It needs to be straightforward, very simple, you know, option one, two, or three is, is a target. And so when you see that um, uh, complex pricing, almost always it, uh, creates a paralysis by analysis for customers. And so we're staying away from that, uh, equally on customer experience. We think about the experience in the space. And so the studio, the lockers need to be clean. Uh, staff should be visible and available upon arrival. Uh, emails should get replied to in the same day. Calls, uh, should be picked up quickly, or there should be a call right back as close to immediately as possible. And so customer experience, these are some of the ways that we're thinking about how 
um, because these are going to lead to uh, the statements people make when describing what it was like to to be with us, to interact with us, to visit us, um, train with us. And so customer experience, when thinking about the space, we're thinking we want uh, the space to feel large, to feel clean, and, and to smell fresh. So all of these sensory, uh, early sensory, before anything even happens, we want to start creating an experience. We want staff and instructors to be welcoming. We want there to be no urgency. As you arrive between classes, we want to have it feel like you can and should hang out uh, in the lobby. There's this tendency specifically in in this space in in wellness, fitness, uh, group class type businesses um, because of some of the business model limitations, you'll see gyms where it's, you know, class ends at 8.55 and because of scheduling, it ran a little late and now uh, the workout's not actually going to end until 9.02, but the next class starts at 9. And so there's this like chaotic transition period between classes that really works to serve no one, right? It's, it's a bad way to end a class. It's a, it's a uh, weird way to start a class. And so uh, when we think about how, with respect to the space, it it's, has a lot to do with this energy we want people to feel, um, both just in the all things wellness side, but also as classes transition in and out, okay? Um, with respect to the all things wellness and the wellness collective, uh, and this, this growing list of complementary services and offerings that will, um, have space in South Low Pilates. Uh, we want that all of them feel like a value add for already busy clients. And so we are building out a cafe experience in a small retail corner and we want that the, you know, uh, complementary services that, you know, they complement the Pilates training, the cafe and the retail make it so that when you think, oh, I'm going to South Slope Pilates to do uh, a, a workout today, you might think, oh, and that saves me a minute. I don't have to make coffee at home or I don't need to stop at a cafe or, um, uh, a couple of these consumables that you already love are going to be available to, to pick up and you were running low on them. And so uh, all of it points to this hopeful feeling of groundedness, this feeling of calm, this feeling of uh, a place you go to for all things wellness. And so in support of that music and a general vibe that is light and is happy. Right, that's how we're thinking about the space. We're thinking about training in uh, an attempt to create some diversification as well. Uh, it is not just capital P Pilates. It is not just traditional reformers or, or you know, Matt Pilates. It is not just Legree and Legree Fitness. And um, both, you know, in this Pilates realm and in a lot of other types of 
you know, I'll say group fitness, there's, there seems to be a consistent out group creation where it's like, you know, we don't do, uh, we don't do powerlifting. We do CrossFit. This is a CrossFit place. But if you, you know, look at the programming at a, at a CrossFit place, there's a bunch of powerlifting stuff going on in there. And, uh, if, if we create out groups in hopes of creating an in group, that's an, that's an energy that as a, as a team, right? Andy and Sydney aren't trying, uh, that's not what they want to create. They, they, in the last episode, you heard them say, uh, this is like non-hostile, non-threatening to other forms of training. And so with that, we will not be creating an in-group by, by delineating where the out-group begins. We're welcoming uh, all forms of other training, all forms of other uh, practices in support of creating you know, a, a program and a training protocol that is longevity focused and um, builds athleticism and focuses on strength, right? And our class schedule, the, the how we do this um, wellness and fitness uh, programming, how we do it is going to be with you know, classes that support these longevity, athleticism, and strength goals, right? And we intend to also collaborate with other local fitness and sports businesses or, you know, wellness-type groups, fitness-type groups uh, to build protocols that will be specifically complementary to what it is they do. So you might think, um, you know, road bikers uh, and a specific types of training and classes for folks who love sitting in the saddle of, of bikes and going on long rides. They might need different things. Uh, and so we look forward to supporting them with our take on Pilates using Ligree fitness machines. And next is pricing. So how are we thinking about pricing? We're thinking about, again, feeling. We're thinking about how we want our community to feel, and uh, pricing tends to get as I mentioned earlier, a little crazy. So we want it to not be crazy. We want free trials for locals. If you've not been in before, you'd like to come in, we want to make that very easy. When considering, do you want to take a class? We want the drop-ins rate to be uh, moderate relative to other types of drop-ins locally. So we're attempting to see what all those drop-in rates are and make ours fair relative and then create bundles that are very high value relative to what it would cost to just do drop-in individual purchases. So you have free, you have drop-ins, and then you have bundles or packages of how many classes you want to take and in theory, that should be it. That should be very straightforward. We want to keep pricing simple. Um, the last thing that we'll do is create uh, something of, you know, subscriptions for clients who really want that subscription, who don't want to have to think about buying another package or making sure that, you know, they don't run out of bookings and have to do one before a class or after a class. And so um, subscriptions 
will be available, but will not be high pressure or arm twisting. The, the, again, energy is the key here. How do we want people to talk about the experience that they have in this space and the hows uh, answer that question. So how is, is very uh, energy and, and feeling focused at this point on what memberships and pricing are going to look like. And then finally, we think about staff and team building. And so for staff, we want to be, if not the highest paying uh, you know, class type offering in Asheville. We want to be right there, if not there, um, definitely. And we want to create upside. We want to tie uh, incentives together, align goals with our staff so that, um, so that they feel inspired and excited to be in the space and also create a flexible environment, knowing that, uh, most Pilates instructors are also, uh, you know, have yoga practices and have lives that they're building and, uh, other business endeavors that they might be focusing on in addition to teaching very high quality and very high value Pilates classes with us. And so uh, we're looking to build a staff and team that are you know, motivated by flexibility and by pay. And beyond that, we're delivering opportunities for growth. And so Uh, management roles are going to be available, business development opportunities and partnership opportunities and um, marketing and communications roles can all be available uh, inside of our our team early days. In addition, we think about the wellness collective that we're building and how they'll want to feel and how we'll set up that specific relationship and uh, what is the best partnership we can create with complementary service providers? And how will our relationship with these complementary service providers um, and what connection can we create that allows our customers to have the best experience? And so um, actively having conversations with complementary uh, wellness providers in Asheville to better understand what they need, whether it's, you know, space in our treatment rooms, um, if it's a opportunity to hold seminars and classes in our studio space, all of these options are, um, being built such that we are supporting the community of wellness providers in Asheville and creating the best possible experience for our members, for our clients. And so, to read that back, we have a how that we are working to develop that takes into account customer experience, the space, our training, our pricing, and the and the business model that underlines this whole endeavor, uh, plus how we're thinking about staffing and team and building out this wellness collective. And so we have a way of attempting to communicate all of these hows and summarize them cleanly. And it's a, so that statement, we have all these hows, right? So how I'm pricing free trials, uh, drop-ins that are priced moderately, 
high value bundles and subscriptions available and no pressure and no arm twisting so that our customers are left feeling less stressed and generally better than before they contacted us, visited us, or trained with us. We're thinking about high paying and large upside roles that are highly flexible and aware of the many hats that our instructors and um, wellness collective participants wear outside of our space. Um, And we are aiming to develop and provide growth management and business opportunities for our team so that our staff is feeling fulfilled by their work and excited to support our growing community. And so starting with why is essential, the hows make or break a business because whys are the vision and hows are the practical. It is operational. It is, uh, it is where the rubber begins to hit the road. And so without a clear sense of how you will be differentiated, a beautiful, compelling, exciting, uh, rallying why mission statement will not ever see the outcomes that it forecasts or that it communicates or that it dreams of Uh, because operationally, there are too many ways to fail. If you're interested in hearing the vision and the mission of South Slope Pilates and all things wellness, we're going to have to continue to follow along with this story. And so new episodes come out each week this month, January of 2023. Uh, You can visit com to stay up to date with what's happening here. Otherwise, visit southslopepilates.com or follow the Instagram account, which is at southslopepilates. Next week, we're diving into the importance of execution when it comes to the what's, especially when building a brand or a business. And the last thing I'll say in this episode is if you know Pilates, please reach out. If you're a Pilates instructor, teach group fitness, please know we're hiring. And if you are um, someone who offers a complimentary to Pilates, which is pretty much everything, uh, complimentary wellness uh, service, we would be very excited to chat with you. We are growing the Wellness Collective. We have uh, physical space. We're um, thinking about uh, web partnerships and web space as well. So uh, leave it to say, uh, if you are interested at all, please reach out. I am Tony at makingitinashville.com. The team at South Slope Pilates is info at southslopepilates.com. And until next week, be well and take care of yourselves.